This episode of Driven Minds is brought to you by Kabibi. Kabibi is an online contemporary women's wear boutique that caters to the working and fun-loving women. Get your look today at Kabibi.com. That's K-I-B-I-B-I. And follow them on Instagram at Kabibi Inc. underscore. Enjoy the show. This is Trav Weeks. Yeah, yeah. We're here with another installation with the uh, CEO of Green Room Creative, Mr. Ani Sanya. What's up? What's up? How y'all doing? Doing good, man. Doing good, man. Ani, man, um, is a personal advisor, I'd say, and a, a friend of mine, a colleague, man, that I've met uh, from my bro, um, JB. I think he was mentioning you probably, maybe like a... Almost like a year and a half ago. I mean, he talked about Ideas Exchange. He was like, yo, my, my bro got this series. I'm like, okay, that's dope. Boom, boom. He's like, yo, you, got, y'all's, you guys got a link. And um, I don't know how we actually eventually met up. I think uh, I was coming to your office or something yeah, like something that. Like, yeah. But this guy just has, like, yo, just an amazing source of, of information and knowledge. And he's just willing to share it, man. Like, guys like this with this much you know, um, threading the game, who understand culture, who understand the music space, who understand com- the commerce space, um, to be that willing to give information is uh, is amazing, man, and I've, uh, and I've learned a lot. So thanks again for being on the podcast, hey, bro. Man, nah, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. Indeed, indeed. So let's take it back to the, from the beginning, man, because you have an interesting journey, man. You have a journey where yeah. you came through a lot of trials and tribulations, a lot of life challenges, you know, to uh, manifest the uh the things in your life so let's take it back to you know what made you want to you know get into this space of um you know just the industry period this the space of culture and, and marketing and music yeah what was the initial things that sparked that yeah i mean you know growing up as a brown kid in the 90s like there's no there's no reference point right there's nobody doing anything that looks or sounds like what i want to do mm-hmm. so you know my parents immigrated from india typical story ten dollars in the pocket you know, we, we, I grew up on Wick, you know, we had a, we had a couch with three legs, you know, soda cans on the couch type thing. And that was just like, that was normal. You know what I mean? Like I had no, like we were happy, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I think the kind of first seeds of entrepreneurship for me that, that like where they were sown was, was watching my father get laid off repeatedly, mm-hmm. you know, like he, he's such a smart dude and, and he's, you know, like me and my brother joke that he's just like an encyclopedia you know he's like the smartest person i know hands down but he just kept taking these l's in the corporate world and mm. like yo if if that's what the corporate world is then why do i want to be involved with that mm. you know one person in some office writes you know signs some piece of paper and my entire family life is ruined wow you feel what i'm saying that and, 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 yeah. and seeing that i was like nah right. like there's got to be um there's got to be another way and, and so that was like how do i own and be in charge of that. So I never put my family through that. Um, and then the second kind of, the, the second seed of that was, was hip hop music. Um, Rockefeller Records, you know, Hove and, and Dame and Biggs. And just seeing that was for me, the first example of, of entrepreneurship and people of color owning something and, and doing it on their own terms. And to me, I was like, hold on, we gotta figure this out. <laughs> yeah. so, um, so that's how it started, man. It was really those two things. And 
you know, a lot, a lot of immigrant parents, you know, they have this weird relationship with hip hop because they look at all the, the negative things that yeah, it does, right. you know, quote unquote, but they don't understand the type of empowerment that young people get from that. You know, not only to express ourselves, but also to look at it as a channel for creativity and, and all of those things. So that's what I took it as. Um, I started a label when I was 16. Um, with, a, with a good friend of mine. I grew up in Boston, in the Boston area. Mm -hmm. And um, this is when MySpace was popping. Digital distribution was a thing. You know, like we were up on iTunes in right. high school. Like people were like, yo, what y'all doing? What are we doing? Mm -hmm. um, we put out a couple little projects and albums. And, and like I had merch when I was like 17. <laughs> hand to hand with nice. t-shirts. That's early in the game too. Early. But I'm making a couple of thousand dollars a month now. And I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. okay. This is the first time I even, you know, seen that kind of bread. Touch and also, I'm doing it off of like some things I love right. you know so I was I was rapping I was executive producing and I was running like the whole marketing and branding and digital side of things yeah, right. just because I didn't know I was like man someone gotta do it yeah yeah absolutely um, I convinced my parents like yo let me go to NYU in New York City right. for, for economics mm -hmm. really it was to get into the city <laughs> and do what right, I needed right, to right. do and um, <clears throat> yeah so then you know super super long story short you know while I was in school um, I brought out Wiz Khalifa to New York City, the first person to bring him out oh, at Webster Hall Studio. Oh, crazy. Damn, Webster Hall is closed, closed down yeah, now. Coming think. back. Oh, yeah. Look. This is 2008. Wow. My promoter was like, Yeah, this is this is flight school. Yeah. He was like, the promoter was like, who's this wizard, Khalif? What you doing? I was like, just trust me. <laughs> you know, and now it's funny. He still comes up to me. He's like, man, you call that one. Word. But, um. But that just led to me building relationships and the music thing. And, you know, we did a couple of, like, spot dates with Luke Fiasco and this, that, and the third. Um, I graduated from college, and I worked a job for two weeks before I quit. And I was like, no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I need to pursue this music thing, this label thing. Right, right. Um, and then the inflection point was, like, we got invited to tour in Japan, like, four months after I graduated college. And I was like, all right. Oh, nice, we, nice. We gonna make this a thing. Dope. What was that talk like with your parents, with your family, period? Like, yeah, um, I'm gonna be an entrepreneur now. Yeah. Like, what was that energy like? Man, a lot of it was tough early on because they didn't understand it, and I didn't understand that they didn't understand it. Right. You feel me? Like, mm -hmm. I didn't, I should have, like, now I look at it and I have so much perspective on what they're going, like, what they went through mm -hmm. to the point where I can explain it better. But back then, you're a little bit hard headed, you know, you're young and you're just like, oh, yeah, why you hating? I got this. Right. Um, but my whole thing was always show and prove. Mm -hmm. If I could show and prove and just make it a thing, like, they couldn't tell me nothing. That's how I always approached it. Mm -hmm. And I give my parents so much credit, man. They were so, um, they, they were never fully supportive, maybe, but they never got in the way. Mm. They never hated, they never pressured me to do nothing. Like, they had an implicit trust that I would figure it out. Mm. And now, you know, now we joke about it. Like, you know, uh, I bring my, like, father into a bunch of projects that we're doing now. Like, oh, nice. You know, I brought him to this conference that I did in D.C. And I was like, yo, come through and just, you know. Nice. And now we get to, you know, put money in your pocket and you get to be a part of what we're doing. That's because it's, you know, it's, it's evolved to that point. Absolutely. That's true. That's super dope. I know you're super proud right now, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that, back to the story, I guess, that was the, the music thing was happening. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I'm 24 years old. I get this offer to go to India to score a Bollywood film, to be a part of a team. Oh, wow. That. Uh, it's a dream for me, right? Because my family's from there. I'm like, yo, Absolutely. I'm doing this. Um, and then, uh, you know, I had a routine doctor's appointment before I left. And the, uh, the diagnosis, like, just the doctor was like, yo, you have end-stage kidney failure. Like, well, you can't be doing nothing right now. And I was well, like, what do you mean? Like, I knew I had, so I grew up with that. I knew I had that. Right. And that was a reason why I was so driven to do a lot of things I did, because mm. I didn't know when my time would run out. Right. 
but to, to receive that right before I was about to leave, I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. Mm. You got three months to, to figure it out, essentially find a kidney, or you got to go on dialysis. That's crazy. Now, you, to receive information like that at the same time now, you're like, you know, um, you're looking at your dreams right in front of you. Mm-hmm. How do you mentally just cope with that? Like, how do you? Yeah. Man, so what I did was, I was like, all right, cool. And I signed a contract to, to go to India the next week. And I went, <laughs> you know what I mean, for go. six weeks. And I, mm. and I really was like struggling. I was out there, but I was out there. So how, I mean, mentally how I cope with it was just, you know, to me, like the, the things that I was doing and the purpose behind what I was doing was just bigger than any physical limitation. You know, like like the doctors were always like, yo, how, how are you able to walk? And I was like, walk? I'm performing on stage. Like, what's up? Wow. And he was like, you're three times over the limit for what a healthy person has. You know, like. Wow. And it was this thing where it was, just, it was 100% mental. It was just me realizing that, that my, my purpose and my passion were going to define, you know, how well I was feeling, not, you know, these physical things. Absolutely. Yeah. But it got to the point where that, you know, I couldn't sustain that anymore. And, and I ended up going on dialysis. Mm. So you look at, you know, being on tour and being, you know, on top of the world, so to speak. Mm-hmm. On top of my own world. Right. You know, to being to being laid up, hemmed up, you know, and, and that was like that was a tough time for me. Right. Definitely. God bless, you know, yeah. made yeah. it through. Always. Indeed. Always. Um, cause that's interesting what you said too, man, like um especially with purpose. And I I find that to be especially for entrepreneurs, because not every entrepreneur um, it's purpose aligned. Mm. For me personally, like, I don't know if I could be an entrepreneur if a purpose wasn't behind it because I love money, absolutely. I love getting money, absolutely. But at the same time, it's like um, to wake up every single day, every morning, you know what I mean, and be going at one thing. For me, it just has to be a, l- a little deeper. And it seems like, you yeah. know, you, you have some of those. Well, you're, you're aligned in that same way. Mm-hmm. How do you... Uh, how do you go about that when it comes to being purposely aligned as well as, you know, making profit? Yeah, that's a great question, man. Uh, I think I've, I've been lucky to have some really great mentors, you know, in my time. And, you know, they always tell me, like, all that, you can't take none of that money with you. Mm. You know, mm. you can leave it, you know, for your, for your family and for generations. But, like, when we, when we die, we all leave with nothing. You know, so while you're here, is that really going to be your focus? Mm. You know, like what do you, how are you creating impact while you're here versus worrying about, you know, trying to trying to drive profit? And and we, we were talking about this earlier too, like, yeah. you know, like money is important. Like that's something I want all young entrepreneurs to like to talk about and realize. Like you know, like we need to realize like money is important. You can't there's you can't demonize it. Mm-hmm. You got to pay your bills. Like you got to live. You got to take care of your family. Like those things are real. Um, but I think that, you know. If you align, you know, with the purpose and that's what drives you, I feel like you always end up, you know, making more for yourself and your people just because you're not motivated by, you know, just like that top line. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So on the come up, even on the come up with um, doing music at a certain point, going through your child's tribulations, especially the the health scare. Yeah. Which I know can um, throw you off. um, How... Did you recover from that mentally, yeah. number one? And number two, also, there was a pivot there, right? Where mm-hmm. you really started to, like, really get comfortable in the yeah. marketing and advertising space um, to eventually start Green Room um, Creative. So how did you recover from that and then mentally decide to pivot? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I mean, God willing, you know, my, my father was my donor. You know, I got a kidney from my Shout dad. out to Pops. It's incredible, you know. Shout he, out to Pops. If, if he listens to this, you know, what's up? 
Um, but that gave me a new like lease on life. Right, I was ready to go. Like, what are we doing? Like, yeah. that was my attitude, you know. And I and I came back. Um, almost, you know, it was also almost an advantage for me because now I didn't have fear. Like, I had gone up against mm. death at the realest level. Beat death. You know, and yeah. I was like, you know what? Like, what are we gonna be scared about? Like, there's nothing more that we need to worry about. So that I think really motivated me to like figure things out. Um, and with music, so what happened, you know, essentially it wasn't sustainable at a certain point for me to, to do the things I wanted to do and take care of my family the way I wanted to. Right. You know, now I got this, you know, just different perspective. Like mm-hmm. it's not all about me, you know? And so True. it was a really tough decision, man, because my entire identity was in music. That's mm. who I was, you know, like I was, that was that person. And I had to, I had to take some time to really think about what, the long term like what was it that I was trying to do and I realized like I was good at business like that's that was really the thing and so you know I put I had to put a lot of ego aside a lot of pride aside and be like all right what are we doing like you know are we are we willing to 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 be real with ourselves and understand what we're good at and make that pivot right. and the answer was yes and so um, what we did was you know had a conversation with the people that I was working with and kind of let them know like this is what this is the direction I'm trying to move in, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we did a lot of great things together and, you know, working with a team, it, it, as you guys know, it's, it's, it can be a gift and a curse, right? And sometimes like mm-hmm. you kind of run out of um, patience and, and kind of like understanding with certain people. And that's the kind of space that we were in on the music side and I just decided like it was time. But I had learned so much on the music side with, with tactics, right? And how to build audience, right. how to create content, how to segment audiences to, you know, deliver different creative to them and speak to them, how to scale operations, mm-hmm. um, how to talk to brands. So something we did on the music side a lot was, I did a lot of brand deals, you know, Marlboro in Japan and Converse and, wow. um, you know, some some like clothing situations like Karma Loop and things like that. Like I had done these, done these deals so I knew kind of where the value was. Like when we talk about culture, mm-hmm. like I knew these brands needed culture in order to drive, you know, their situation. And it was just about being smart. Right. about taking that and building it into an agency model. Dope, dope, yeah. dope. Because, you know, it was interesting you say that because I was just watching an interview with Lena Waif and she's like um, on Breakfast Club mm. and she's like, everybody wants to be the writer and especially in a film where everybody wants to be the writer or producer with the big name, but, you know, spend some time behind the camera. You might be great at behind the ca- camera. <laughs> right. You might be great at lighting. Right. You know what I mean? That actually might be a calling. You might be great at... Um, um, makeup, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You might be great at just, you know, just the things around it, and then you're really falling short because you're trying to shoot for, you know, this one position that you think it's just because it's the most popular. Um, do you agree with that? Do you agree entrepreneurs, can entrepreneurs do everything, or should they stay in, should they should they be search or fin for the pocket of where they shine the most, and then evolve from there? That's it. Really, really good question. I think this is something that I've come into form recently, is like, yo, play to your strengths. Everybody mm. wants to be in front of the camera. You know, everybody wants to be the star. A lot of times, you're not built for that, and that's okay. And and, and it's important to figure out what you're really good at, and and doubling down on that. Right. So for me, like, yeah, I was you know on stage and rapping and doing this, but I was better at the other stuff. You know, and it was a, it was something that I had to like accept, move on, and then figure out how to really kill it on that side. So I do. I do agree to an extent. I think entrepreneurs should try everything. That's my thing. It's like, yo, don't be afraid to give it a shot. And if you fail, like you're not you're not failing in front of enough people for it to even matter. You know, one of my mentors, um, his name is Craig Hackey, he's really, really influential in my life and 
he has the sayings fail to learn mm. you know and, and that's like you know it's a bar right there but like yeah. you know that that always like stuck with me because i was like man i hate failing absolutely i want to fail you know but then the more i grew and the more i thought about it i was like oh okay gotcha you know we need to fail to learn mm-hmm. i want to ask um what were some of your growing pains in, in your transition because I mean, you had all of these skills that you developed as a musician and yeah. controlling your own brand. What were some of the, uh, the missteps early? That's a great question. Um, I think one of the biggest missteps early was was not realizing that culture was my advantage. Mm-hmm. And so what I was trying to do is play a little bit into the too much into the corporate side uh, or just too much into fitting a certain type of, you know, tech forward entrepreneur which I had because I understood the, the technology in that world, but I was kind of downplaying the culture thing. Mm-hmm. Downplaying the fact that I knew what, what people of color gravitated to. Downplaying the fact that I understood what black Twitter was and why that's so influential. Downplaying right. these things, you know, and, and that was a big mistake because mm-hmm. what, what happened was I ended up doing projects with people I didn't align with, mm-hmm. you know, and we talked about this earlier. I think mm-hmm. the second part of that was... Um, the second growing pain was thinking that all money is good money because it wasn't, you know, and that led to me working with some people that I would probably not have worked with, you know, if I had a choice. Right. Um, done some projects where it was just like the, the stress and the strain of those projects wasn't worth the check. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is coming from somebody that like I'm, I'm profit driven, like don't get it wrong. I'm not, you know, I tell everybody I'm not a, you know, I'm not a sage. I'm not, you know, like I'm about my business, but all money is not good money. Absolutely. I had to learn that the hard way on the agency side. Indeed. Yeah. Let's definitely let's stay on that because like you seem to thrive in that intersection between like culture, commerce, um, and um, yeah, just society. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about the power of culture and why that can be used to influence sales, why that can be used used to influence brand awareness and whatnot. Mm-hmm. What do you feel, um, how do you feel that's going forward? And how and do you feel like these big brands, major brands are starting to recognize the power of you know the black and brown culture and why they should definitely be tapping into our audiences or trying to speak to us and going through us to right. speak to us? Yeah, I mean, I think we all agree they're definitely understanding the, the power of it, right? You think right. about the, the, the POC dollar, like how many people of color there are and what our purchasing power is. Like, mm-hmm. It's rivaling anybody out there. Like, I know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the problem that brands are having is that they're not coming from a genuine place a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. They're starting these conversations with profit in mind, you know, instead of starting these conversations with, with impact in mind. You know, that we mm-hmm. were talking about this a little bit earlier with certain organizations that we respect and kind of what they do for the culture and for the community first. Mm-hmm. And they're also about their business, but they're also aware of that. Um, so I think that, yes, you know, culture-driven messaging is always going to be the thing. And especially, like, let's talk about it. Like, hip-hop is black culture, mm-hmm. and that runs the world. You know, for people like me, for brown people like me, for any, everybody else, like, we have to respect that. Mm-hmm. We have to understand that. You know, so that's bigger than just, like, you can't just say, oh, yeah, I'm going to use hip-hop for this, but then when Black Lives Matter or when there's something going mm-hmm. on, I'm going to be silent. Right, right, It doesn't right. work like that. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of brands can kind of approach it from the same understanding, like, look, we invite you to, to create some dope things for within the culture, no doubt. But if y'all are just profiteering, then there's not a space for that. Gotcha. So how do, you, you know, how, do you, how do you balance those two? I'm trying to think of brands off the top that have been doing a good job with that. Um, but... Give me, give me a second, because off the top, it might be tough. 
Um, let me see. Is, has Nike done a good job? Um, I mean, Nike's all right. They've had their, you know, they've had their they foot on the net of, of, yeah, of, for a while. Yeah, they got, for a while. They got a so good team over it's there. a tough one. I think some of the smaller brands are probably doing a, a little better job. Okay. I mean, we talked about Rock Nation. You know, I think it's yeah. a really good example. Mm-hmm. Like they do a lot of stuff that they don't talk about. Right. You know, whether it's whole bailing out, you know, mm-hmm. people who were jailed after protesting. That's true. You know, true. with the T-shirts for the. Absolutely. I can't breathe thing like that's the stuff that you yeah. know, I think is, is important for brands and people don't even understand those it may even look at it as like little things to some people but those little ripples like they they have impact you know Absolutely. what I mean they have genuine impact across the board yeah Bevel is a good brand Bevel absolutely just a walker Code 4040 I think is what it's called but you know they do a lot of different things outside of just selling consumer products absolutely you there's a lot to think about. <laughs> and even in that vein, so when you walk into these rooms with these um, organizations, what are the um, like the top three um, messaging points that you want to get across to them before you even start doing business? What are what are mm-hmm. those? Uh, what are those? What's that rubric look like? It's a really good question. I think the first one we just touched on was like genuine. You know, like where are they coming from? Mm-hmm. Are they just coming for a little quick check you know, we want to tap into this because we want this, then that's something I'd rather not be involved with. So are they coming from a genuine place, like, you know, that they want to be involved with the community and culture because not only because it benefits their top line, but also because there are other things that they want to do. That's important for me. Um, I think the second one is uh, the actual product. So when it comes to, like, you know, alcohol, certain things like that, like, we don't, I don't work those clients. That's kind of the policy that we have. Like, we don't want to work on things that are detrimental to the community. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm probably giving up, you know, a bag on that one, and that's mm-hmm. cool. Um, I think that's just something just starts with you. And I'm not, like, that's I'm not a holier-than-thou person for that. Like, yo, you want to work with alcohol brands? I mean, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. like, let's do it. But mm-hmm. um, for me personally, I don't want to be selling that to somebody. So the, so the actual product, the actual message is important. Mm-hmm. Um, third thing... I think would be kind of like follow up. Like, what are you doing after you know you you execute this campaign? Or mm-hmm. What are you doing for these communities or for this space after the fact? You know, and I think um, a lot of brands kind of miss that point. You know, mm-hmm. they want to just get in and get out. Mm-hmm. And I think the brands that win are the ones that continuously you know stay around and, and get rooted within within the culture. What are some of the things in your in your personal culture that has helped you along in the business? Mm-hmm. You, know, like you, you mentioned that you've had some opportunities to work internationally. Yeah. Um, how, how has that played a part in your business acumen? It's a great question. Um, I think, you know, for me, I was lucky enough to like, travel a little bit, you know, when I was younger and then kind of grow that. And so I just come from a, a kind of a global perspective, you know, like I spent, you know, I lived in Japan for two months when I was 22. Like, that's a crazy, that's, that's nice. a crazy time. You know, part of Japan. Tokyo. Oh, sweet. Yeah, we were in Tokyo and, and it was just like, wow you know like this is incredible but it was also like let's be respectful of these the culture and the people that are here <coughs> right you know and not just wild out yeah, we're exactly. young and we're out here like yeah, that yeah. you know so i think um you know back to the question i think uh in my personal culture you know i come from i come from bengali culture which is you know very um art and intellectual driven um and and indian culture as a whole is very family oriented so those things are, are really big to me you know like 
family is always first like we know that but Mm -hmm. it's also a little bit deeper than that it's like what are we doing for people who may not necessarily be our blood family but you know like overall the same the same type of people so that's that's something that uh just reflects in how i build relationships with people you know in business and kind of looking at like how can we bring more people on board onto what we're doing Mm -hmm. um and then what else man personal I mean, yeah, coming from an intellectual place, like, you know, my pops is super intellectual and just, like, he's really, he taught us early on, like, be curious. Yeah. And I think that's been the biggest thing for me in business is, like, always to be curious. Absolutely. Like, if I don't know something, that's cool. It's going to be the last day I don't know that, right? Because I'm going to figure that out. So. Indeed. I, I see on your website that you, you offer a suite of different services. So, for media planning, um, SEO marketing, I'm reading them off. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, retargeting display, uh, social media strategy. What are this question is twofold. What are some of the tools you use to, you know, gather your data on the front end? And can you touch a little bit on some of the things that you can accomplish without paying media? Absolutely. Yeah. So gathering data on the front end is a good question. Um, so I think the big thing when running any kind of campaign, whether you're, you know, an independent artist and you just run in some Facebook ads or you're a bigger brand, you know, you're rolling out a product, um, be really careful and intentional with segmenting your audience, right? So the data that comes in, you, it can't, the way you market to one audience and the way you market to audience B, you know, say you have audience A and audience B, if that data is coming in the same place and you don't know how to kind of split that up and, and, analyze that then you're doing yourself a disservice so Mm. make sure your audiences are segmented and make sure that you're collecting the data cleanly from each segment Um, in terms of actual tools I mean you know simple Google Analytics is like you know kind of a core tool that everyone uses Mm -hmm. Um, I implore you know all entrepreneurs and young people any kind of business you have where you're kind of digital first like definitely get your Google Analytics game up. You know, that's like a, that's not even a a tip. That's like very fundamental, but you know, it's important to learn how to use that platform to, to inform what kind of business decisions you're going to make. Um, and the, the second question was how to move the needle without paid media. And, uh, this is something I learned because my mentor was like yelling at me a couple months ago. He's like, man, you're relying too much on paid. Mm. And, and you're taking that attitude too much with your clients. And I was like, oh, all right, let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, undeniable creative is the, is the formula for getting over paid media. Mm. If your creative is undeniable and people share it and they talk about it and they engage with it, you're not even going to need to put that much of a budget behind it. Mm. And that's something that... Um, it, it always holds true you know even as we get into a world where there's a lot more noise there's a lot more budgets there's a lot more you know things going on um if you create something that's undeniable it's going to get shared you know it's like frank ocean nostalgia ultra like yeah. ain't, ain't no way that wasn't going to get shared you know sure. just because of, of how good it was um and i think that's often a challenge for creative people is they kind of ship something and then they just put a bunch of paid media behind it mm-hmm. and if it's not if it's not authentic, it's gonna hit a ceiling. Yeah. What's that cocktail for for success? Like for for a brand? Like what are the ingredients for for a brand? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, like artists. Yeah, I think the first thing is like defining success for yourself. You know, what does that look like for you? Is it a number? Is it a is it a certain amount of impact? Is it a you know a certain amount of of eyeballs? Like whatever that is, you got to kind of reverse engineer from that. I think for brands. Um, 
success is getting people to buy into your into your mission and into your like core values because once you have that buy-in you can sell them whatever you can you know market to them down the road you know Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about attention you know I think that's kind of hand in hand with that but like once you have attention once you have buy-in mm-hmm. you're able to to talk to those brands going forward you know like Bevel like I haven't bought a Bevel product yet but they have my full buy-in I'm riding like, you know what are we doing like, yeah, yeah same here and mm-hmm. if I need to you know my next clipper like I absolutely want to get a double you know like absolutely. it's that type of thing where if you can, really you feel part of Bevel's culture I haven't bought one yet but I wonder if the line's the fresher <laughs> with a but you know what I mean Maybe. Exactly. we gotta find out right right, right. but I think that's where it, that's, that's where it is uh, we can talk about you know, I'm trying to think of other kind of like upcoming brands who are doing a good job of that. Um, Greats, you know, Greats, the sneaker brand. Yeah, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Greats. Like Ooh. I have, you know, like it's one of the few sneakers I actually buy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I love like the way they approach, you know, aesthetic, creative, and th- their mission is like, look, we gonna make dope sneakers that are not gonna crack you in the head. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, I can get down with that. Dope. Simple you know, and to the big, point. And you got my buy-in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the real success for brands. Mm. In terms of segmenting your audience, what are the uh, the different brackets that an audience falls under? Yeah, um, yeah that's one into yeah. It's, it's a broad question. I think it really depends on. I mean, let's just take a consumer brand in the U.S. Let's just use that as an example. Um, I think you know basic things are Asian, gender, and region. You know that kind of gives you a, a very broad brush of kind of what's going on. Um, the next kind of level of segmentation that, that we like to do is uh, based on previous interactions. So what that means is like if somebody sees something, sees an ad, and they click and they engage with it, but they don't convert, you know, they don't buy or they don't sign up or whatever it is, the next messaging that you give them has to be based off of their behavior, not just based off of a simple retargeting or remarketing ad. Mm-hmm. So segmentation, the second level is kind of behavioral, depending on how involved. So I'll give you an example. Say, you know, you have ad creative A, you know, you, you send that out, someone clicks on it, they go to the site and they bounce off after 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. That's, that's one type of person. The second person clicks on it and then they're on your site for five minutes. Mm-hmm. That's the second, you know, those two people are very different. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? Like to treat them the same would be a, a travesty. Right. right. So how do you market to that person B who's really down with your product right. versus person A who have has created a touch point but do you let go of person A because they not they not feeling your shit or do you go back to like do you spend your energy and time on a you know person B? Because you don't like yeah, you don't let go of person A because you've created a touch point and you don't uh, exactly know where they are along that purchase funnel. They could be just doing some research and they'll come back later. Or they mm. could be truly uninterested, or maybe they just have to bounce because, you know, somebody was yelling at them to do the dishes. I don't know. You know, right, like right, it's right. It, it's hard to kind of break that down, but mm-hmm. you definitely want to keep them engaged. Mm-hmm. But person B is the person you want to invest, you know, a little bit more into in terms of how you engage them. Um, so yeah, th- that's just very basic. You know, kind of like demographics, behavioral, mm-hmm. and then um, the third is kind of like uh, retention. Like once they're in your funnel, how do you keep them? Mm. You know, how do you keep them engaged? And you, you're pretty um um. Wait, do you have any more questions on that? Cause that's a great topic. Well, I'm learning. A something. little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is it intrusive to like have a, a pop up comes up that will come up like why are you leaving? Because like there's so much guesswork yeah. that that comes. And I mean, if you if you're 
doing it by the day and you get good at manipulating mm-hmm. to kind of figure it out, but there's so much guesswork to kind of figure out the temperament of this client. This person's middle age, they have all of this shit going on. Right. Because I'm, for me, like, I'm, I'm probably like a person paid. Like, right. Even if I don't have the cash in my pocket, I'll come to your website and do the research and just stay and visualize me having whatever. Copy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there's some individuals that are just like, all right, whatever. Maybe they clicked on your bias and how do you find out? Because person A, like, I mean, if you have person B, like, that's cool. But that person A is the person that you want. They're more challenging. They're more challenging, yeah. you know? So how, how do you attack that segment? I love like the question and I just love the approach um yeah so I, I think the best way I probably give us an example so I got targeted by wealth simple like they're one of like the kind of like easy investment like mm-hmm. you know new age of like using tech and investing to, mm-hmm. to kind of optimize your portfolio I got a I got an ad from them it was a Hassan Minaj testimonial mm. and it was like this long ass post on Instagram about how he used like it wasn't even how he used wealth simple, it's just about him and how he looks at wealth. Yeah. Like, long, I'm talking about paragraphs on IG, and then mm. it clicked over to the website, it was longish, it was long. Mm. And I'm here just reading this content, loving it. They did one with French Montana. I had no interest in wealth simple, but once I saw those, I was like, oh, mm. oh, you guys, you guys get it. Like, oh, you're really speaking to me. Um, and to, to, to use that to answer the question, you gotta hit them with something undeniable to mm. figure out kind of where they stand. Like you have to make sure that they're really um, somebody that you want to go further with. And the way to do that is to a test, test a couple different things mm-hmm. because you know even with like pop ups like you were mentioning things like that. Like they may be intrusive for some people, but some people actually might need that push. You know, so until you kind of test both ways, you're not gonna you know you're not gonna know what's best for your business. Mm. Um, you know, a, a site that sells designer sunglasses, you know, they they could probably use a pop-up which says, hey, don't leave, we got 10% off for you and free shipping, mm-hmm. finish your order. That's very different from, you know, a Driven Society website which says like, you know, don't leave, like, finish the video, like, yeah. nah, I'm gonna finish the, like, that person's like, no, I, I will definitely finish the video just later, yeah, or like, you yeah, know, like, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a different, it's a different approach, so I think yeah. you gotta like test and find out where your audience stands, but I also think that, you know, taking like the wealth simple approach, like, if you know your customer and you hit them with something that really tie, you know, ropes them in, mm-hmm. um, you're gonna be able to figure out how intentional they are about, you know, converting and making purchases or whatever it is that they need to do. Indeed, yeah. indeed. And you're um, a multifaceted entrepreneur, is what I call. At one point, you're running a, you know, you're heading up a, a campaign for, you know, um, Anique. Right. Um, then you, you know, I don't know if I can talk about this. You edit it out if I can't. You start and you know, you you launching uh, your real estate investment fund. Yeah. Um, you have your agency. How do you manage all of these things simultaneously? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> It's a lot of a lot of focus, you know, not a lot of time spent scrolling Instagram or mm. you know, BSing online, mm. fake working, you know, I, mm-hmm. that's just not something that's that's possible anymore for me. Um, yeah, a lot of the time is just uh, is spent delicate like it's I block my time up. Mm-hmm. I got, you know, eight AM to ten AM I got this, I got you know, like every minute of my day is accounted for. Um, and and you know, along with those two things, like there's the execution and the tactical work and there's a lot of like 
shaking hands and being out, right? So that's like Absolutely. always a very tough balance for me because you know I'm I'm a I'm, I'm somebody that gets busy, you know, with execution. Right. But also, like, I need to be in front of people and, you know, mm-hmm. do those things. So, yeah, in terms of balance, I think it's about identifying what you want to put your priorities in. And the second thing is delegating and building a team. So, you know, I mean, at, at, at GRC, we had an incredible team of people. Um, and that's, like, for me to take any credit there wouldn't be fair. So, you know, finding the right people to be around you to, to help drive your business is super important. And... Um, just being real with yourself. Like I tell, biggest thing I was telling young people is like map your actions to your ambitions. You want to run a real estate company, an agency, an event series, whatever. Like Friday night at 10, 11 p.m., you better not be in the club. Hmm. You better not. You, you know, you can definitely go to the club a couple times a month or whatever. Cool, but you better not be in there every day right. or every weekend. Mm-hmm. Like you, you need to be working. Absolutely. That's what you need to do. And so that's that's kind of what it is. I don't really spend too much time like BSing on things. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. How do you self-educate? Like, because you know, there's you're very bright young man. <laughs> Thank you. What, what are what are the uh, where do you go for information? That's a great question. I think Trav and I talked about this kind of offline um, earlier, but yeah, I'm a curious person. You know, I give credit to my parents for kind of developing that early on, and um, it comes from that's the competitive advantage that I feel like people like us have. Because we weren't born with legacy in this country or we weren't born with, you know, land that we could inherit or, you know, we didn't, we just, at least I, you know, speak for myself maybe, mm-hmm. we didn't have that. Mm-hmm. So for me, the only leg up was like, let me be intellectually curious and let me learn so that when someone comes to me, I got it locked down. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so, so given that, um, I consume a lot of information from, um, from, a lot of it's community driven, to be honest. Like I really listen and I observe mm. on Twitter, in conversations with people, um, you know, at events. Like I really pay attention to the most random things. Like if there's an event that I'm at, but it's being sponsored by three different brands, I'm, let me look up those three brands and see what they're doing. Because mm-hmm. there's there's a bigger tie-in here. There's a bigger thing going on. So I'm curious like that. Um, I mean, I you know I, I read the New York Times, the daily podcast in the morning. That's kind of like my routine. Um, I read The New Yorker, and these are kind of like just broad, you know, intellectually curious things. And then I get deep into like actual, like digital, like agency publications and kind of learning what's going on there. Um, you know, we've talked about, it. I, read a, mm-hmm. I read a lot of like random investment, prop, you know, prospectuses just to like figure out like what are the, you know, what are the, t- the terms of certain deals and like let's learn about the numbers. Right. Um, and then I think the biggest thing is like if something comes across my path that I don't know about, just making a list of it and, and going into that as soon as I can, you know, to kind of get behind what, what that is. So absolutely, yeah, constant super, learning. Super dope, super yeah. dope. Um, I definitely want to uh, before we wrap up, I would definitely want to touch on um, your event series ideas exchange and you know just the value you give the community that comes out to that. Yeah, I appreciate the plug. Um, yeah, idea exchange was for us. Uh, we were trying to solve a problem for ourselves, so we'd go to a lot of these events. Um, I hate the word networking, but you know, let's use it. It's just you know these events that you're trying to meet like-minded people and connect some dots. And right. half the time you just spend holding a drink, you know, trying to talk over loud music or right. you know, it was like there was no value for me. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to what I was saying about having no time to BS. Like that was something I just didn't have time for, but I knew I needed to do that. Right. So how could we create a space that we wanted to be in? And so what we came up with was 
inviting um, creative people from all different backgrounds and across the spectrum to come together in the same space to brainstorm, problem solve, and come up with solutions to problems that we all face um, as entrepreneurs, as creative people, as professionals. Um, and that interaction that happens in that space and that kind of like conversation is the best type of like, you know, networking that you can have because you're, you're just coming from a genuine place. You're trying to put something together. You're trying to figure things out with the people around you. Um, and so it's been, you know, about 18 months of, of kind of building that brand. And now we're looking at kind of expanding, um, globally and, and doing a couple of things this year, which I'm really excited about. Nice. Um, we're having a conference for the first time this summer. Oh, super dope. So I definitely encourage everybody to keep an eye out for that. And again, how can we create a space that we want to be in? How can we have creative people, have have entrepreneurial people, have you know artists, have business people, all in the same space because we're all from that you know we all come from a, a similar mindset. Yeah. And um, yeah, I want to have a I want to have a tech conference where you know any con performs to close things out. Of course. And, and driven society gives a you know <laughs> a, a panel discussion on on culture and, and commerce things like like I want to bring all of that together. Dope. So that's. And yeah. we're down by the way. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's <a fact>. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just um. Yeah. Before I get out of here too. Uh, what is it, what advice would you give you know new entrepreneurs coming into the scene right now who may have the same interests in, in business and industry as you? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I look at my own life and, and kind of give advice from that. You know, I only give advice I can take. So right. the first thing is is don't listen to people who aren't qualified mm. to talk about a certain subject. It's real shit. Um, I think that's something that all of us deal with. A lot of people operate out of fear. So when they're telling you not to do something or that they don't really know about it, they would do it. They don't know. They would do it. Gotcha. They're not sure about it. Right. They can't speak for you. That's not to say you can got to be foolhardy and, and kind of like you know take on that risk and don't listen to anybody. I'm not saying that, but be careful who you're taking advice from because Absolutely. it's easy for people to give unqualified advice. Um, the second thing you know we touched on earlier was like just with work ethic. Like you got big ambitions, like you better have a crazy work ethic. Gotta match it. You know, don't gotta match don't it. be talking about yeah we working and mm-hmm. you just scroll on the gram. Like, that's that's a fact. Not work. Um, and the third thing is probably the toughest thing, but like separate your ego from your work. Like really, when you do work, don't have expectations for what it should do or, or how popping you should be after it. Just just finish, just focus on doing the greatest job you can for that campaign itself mm-hmm. or that, you know, that photo shoot or, or that song, whatever it is you're doing, like just completely grind it down to the foundation. Mm. Just do the work. The rest of the stuff will come. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you're if you're living, documenting, creating from a genuine place, you're gonna win, and and that's what that's what I would tell everybody, you know. Nice, nice, Ooh. dope. Yeah, you <laughs> I told you about Ani. <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah, you want to turn your minds and yes, all that does this. What drives you? I'm driven by uh, I'm driven by creating equity, ownership, and legacy for my friends and my family. Dope. <laughs> so that's kind of that's like the most solid answer we got from that. That's what it is, yo. You know what I mean? Uh, tell the people where to find you on the socials, brother. Yeah, Ani Hustles across everything. That's A N I Hustles. Um, I'm big on, yeah, I'm big on a lot, bunch of platforms. I'm really big on Medium. I like writing and kind of thought leadership and all that. So Dope. catch me on there, catch me on Instagram, Twitter, everything is the same. Nice. Hopefully we uh, we get Ani on a panel soon for one of our events. Um, 
But yeah, man, we're excited to see what dope things you do in the future. I appreciate bro. you guys, man. You guys are, are creating the lane and, and paving the ground for a lot of people, you know, and, and whether they acknowledge it or not, you know, it's a fact. And so I'm, I'm appreciative of you guys. Thank you, fam. Appreciate that. Indeed. Yeah. Like we always say this time. Stay driven. Peace.